Welcome to Behind the Soundcheck, a podcast dedicated to bringing you all of the stories from behind the scenes of the Aussie music industry. As always, I am Tiana. Welcome back to those of you who have joined me so far for the first three episodes and greetings to those if it's your first time tuning in. Either way, it's so lovely to have you and your ears joining me for today's episode, Mixing Business with Pleasure. And today I am joined by a man who I've actually known since I was a teenager. Well, I was 18 or 19 at the time, technically a teenager, still counts. And he is actually also responsible for introducing me to a heap of artists that fed my heavy music lust, most notably Mike Patton and the entire world of post-rock. And he is also without a doubt one of the sharpest acts men in the biz right now, shredding his fusion licks as resident guitarist for Brisbane's Osaka Punch, of course alongside my episode one guest Brenton Page. And both of them also obviously feature in this podcast theme song. But beyond the riffs and the lush hair, Chris Late, aka Crispy Town, is a man of many, many talents, most recently expanding his skills co-running the Brisbane-based production company Head Atlas alongside the equally talented Joel Miles. Crispy shares his love for creativity daily in ways beyond his own musical pursuits as a producer, mixing engineer and beyond. But how did he end up in this multifaceted position in the music industry? Well, let's dive from the stage and into the studio with the man himself. Sir Crispy Town, what an absolute delight to chat with you today. Thank you so much for being a guest on my podcast, Behind the Soundcheck. No, thanks for having me, T. I really appreciate it. Yay. Well, I know there is so much going on for you right now at the moment, but you are a huge fixture in the music scene, especially in the heavy scene, not just for your riffing prowess, but also for your extensive work behind the scenes. There's a lot going on. You're an axe man, you're a producer, you're an engineer, everything. But I guess to start things off and giving people what they probably want to know a bit more about in regards to you is guitars. And I guess when the first time was that you ever actually picked up a guitar and did you know straight away it was the instrument that you were born to play? Yeah, great question. Um, So pretty much I think it was one of my... I have two older sisters, and um, my older sister, Nicole, was very musical as like a child growing up, and she basically got into playing like a bunch of instruments, French horn, guitar, and all that sort of stuff, but she she had like an acoustic guitar at home, and I can just remember being like absolutely obsessed with her playing and all that sort of stuff so she's four years older than me mm-hmm. and I was pretty young and I thought to myself you know if she can do it like maybe I can give it a crack and I pretty much begged my parents to sort of get a guitar for mm-hmm. me as well mm-hmm. and after lots of persistence and all that sort of stuff they sort of realized that I was pretty serious about it like I wasn't just kind of you know, thinking, oh, you know, she's got a guitar, so I want one too. <laughs> and yeah, so eventually I kind of got like a really crappy $100 acoustic guitar and started there. I had about six months worth of like lessons from like a guy in my hometown and he kind of like taught me, you know, like Metallica riffs and <laughs> stuff like that. Yes. And I was like, yeah, on my way. <laughs> so, yeah, it was really, you know, from there, I I sort of started developing like an ear 
for it, I suppose. Mm. Like I, after about a year of playing, I was kind of able to listen to songs and kind of figure them out just by kind of like messing around and working out stuff. So yeah, I sort of really ran with it from there and developed my sort of musicality, I suppose. So Mm. um, yeah, I pretty much got obsessed with it and, and I, and I went deep from a from a young age yeah so, yeah I think I was about 10 when I started so wow yeah. that's yeah, yeah that's but, pretty amazing because a lot of people I speak to they're usually like a bit later in their teens so you definitely got a good jump start on the competition yeah <laughs> I, I'd like to think so and I think I you know had a lot of time to sort of like mess around with it by myself first before mm. jamming with other people and all that sort of stuff so yeah, yeah um, I think I had my first my first band when I was about 13 so yeah. oh wow what were they called what was your band called um a lot of really bad names so yeah <laughs> just like everyone's first you, email address oh yeah yeah it's <laughs> totally like that so yeah yeah I you know I think every gig we kind of changed our name so <laughs> Ooh, I like it keep them guessing yeah and we just like did Grinspoon covers <laughs> and like helmet and stuff like that so yeah it was good it was good fun yeah and I guess talking about your musicality like did you can you actually read music like is this just something that you picked up and play by ear I mean you know you said you had lessons but did you go into like more of the technical theory side of it or did you kind of just stick with what was intrinsically in your blood essentially yeah no I I have absolutely very limited knowledge of theory so um yeah it's all self-taught you know, bad techniques, <laughs> the whole lot. So, yeah, I think I picked up a bit of stuff like, you know, mainly kind of rhythmical sort of uh, theory from sort of playing in bands and especially working with Jack and Dane in Osaka Punch and Brenton as well. Mm. But I suppose I was with those guys first and, you know, they really pushed me to kind of have a better understanding of that side of things that, you know, when I'm writing or playing or something like that, I'm not thinking of like, oh, it's this key and it's that scale mm. or anything like that. We're polar opposites in a way because I grew up very classically trained and learning all the scales and learning all the chords and how do they fit in here. But I almost feel like it took a bit of the, I don't know, pizzazz is not the right word, but it took a bit of that out of it because it's like I found it really difficult to think about stuff from a wider perspective and just like, improvise and just kind of feel it so yeah I like I like the other side of things I like how you've kind of approached it yeah definitely and like I I think back and I'm like oh man maybe I should have like actually paid a little bit more attention to that but yeah I think you know I've had certain people that I've like played with and jammed with and all that sort of stuff who actually actually kind of like that I don't have that sort of approach and I'm not thinking of things from that point that Mm. standpoint and that I'm just kind of like going in and just flying blind and just feeling something out yeah you sort of come up with some really interesting concepts that way yeah so that's been nice feedback I suppose (laughs) yeah and that creativity would flow over into your other kind of world which you obviously work as a producer songwriter mix engineer probably everything you do everything apparently and that's (laughs) awesome (laughs) um and I, I guess in speaking about that, I know you did play in a heap of bands back in the day. I mean, Osaka Punch, obviously. I remember the hazards of Swimming Naked Days and even Dead Letter yep. Opener going back a long, long time ago. Absolutely. But coming into this other world, coming into the other side of things, how did you actually find yourself ending up behind the mixing desk? Did you 
study this kind of stuff or was it just a byproduct of being frequently in that environment? Yeah, so it's interesting because when I was sort of finishing school, I was kind of like trying to figure out what I was going to do and I loved music and I was like, oh, you know, I really want to be involved in music. And uh, But I knew that I didn't really have the theoretical knowledge to do like an instrument or to study in that respect. But um, funnily enough, my older sister, the same older sister, ah. who has influenced me a lot um, over the years, was studying music technology at university. And I was like, oh, man, that's awesome. So she was recording and engineering and, you know, doing all that sort of stuff, but also doing like a music degree, but basically it was music plus a major in recording and engineering and so that kind of sparked an interest and I thought you know I could really utilize that because it's still involved in music and I can still play and I can do all that sort of stuff but I can be the one capturing the music and mm. uh, you know getting into that technical know-how and luckily when I was looking into it which is kind of like 2003-ish it was when digital technology was really coming into its own. So it was like a new sort of aspect to audio engineering. And I thought, man, I could really get in on this, learn it now before it basically takes over, you know, mm. before before it's like the norm. And um, yeah, so that's what sort of led me to do that. I, I did the same course that my older sister did at uni in Brisbane. And yeah, that kind of really sparked my interest in recording, producing, engineering, all that sort of stuff. And of course, it was great because I could record my own stuff. You know, there's some really, really bad early recordings <laughs> of Osaka Punch tunes kicking around <laughs> from like the early 2000s that led me to getting into that side of things, which I really, really enjoy. High five to your sister because, I mean, it's probably helps that you have a knack for all of this stuff. So it's, you know, obviously... You may have ended up there yourself, but yeah, that's an awesome family trait to be following on with. Yeah, and, and the thing is, she probably doesn't even realise that it was her influence. Mm. And um, but yeah, like I've got a lot to got to, got a lot to owe her for, so including like my taste in music as well. So yes, you know yeah. what it's like with siblings. So yeah, yeah, actually, yeah, I'm with you there. I only listen to like actually cool music because of my brother back in the early days when I was secretly probably listening to way too much NSYNC but then he got, cool. he got me out of that into some better taste so that's excellent but I'm, I'm going to claim all the credit for it now of course <laughs> <laughs> um, and I guess on the production side of things there's all this technology available now people kind of have everything at their fingertips and people can now record from home everyone's kind of you know producing in home studios doing a bit more DIY stuff but from your perspective, do you feel like recording studios are still really important to the industry, given that there is a lot more opportunity to do it, like from your bedroom, essentially, these days? Yeah, I've definitely noticed that. And it's really kind of interesting because exactly what you were saying, like there is so, so much available to people these days. I still find that people want other people to help them with it but you know mm -hmm. like cause some people want that outside feedback you know and even I know like working on say for instance I'm going to say this again like a soccer punch stuff 
you know, like I love getting in and doing the pre-production and the writing and all that sort of stuff and the demoing, but I actually don't like being the person mm. like behind the desk working on my own music because mm. I feel like I need to be on the other side to be able to really focus on that. So yeah, I think people still need that resource to go somewhere, get their stuff down and not have to focus on all the buttons and dials and software and stuff like that. Mm. And, um, you know, everybody that I've worked with so far has had a really positive experience because, yeah, they can just rest easy and know that someone else is looking after that sort of stuff and get the best out of their performance or song or whatever it is they're trying to do. So. Well, I was just, I was curious on that side of things. I mean, when, when you're kind of traipsing back into the other side of things and you're recording your own stuff, do you find it difficult to switch off that brain? Like, can you get full into the muso brain and not be kind of thinking about everything else in the background? Yeah, definitely. You know, it's um, it's hard to, like, I, I get to the point now where I, <laughs> it's really bad. Like when I'm doing a demo or something like that for Osaka, I'm spending so much time trying to make it as good as possible when it doesn't really matter. But I just get obsessed with it. And like, you know, I feel even presenting a demo to someone else, I want it to be as good as possible mm. so that they get that feeling about it, if you know what I mean. Yeah, like, definitely. Because I've had that before and it's hard to see past it, but when someone shows you something and it's, you know, a little bit, you know, lo-fi, mm. for want of a little better word, uh, but the material is like really awesome, it's hard to get past that for me. Mm. actually because I'm too busy focusing on how bad it sounds <laughs> when it should be like oh just listen to the content you know but yeah. I'm getting better at it but like it's definitely a hindrance for me oh it would from be time to time. it'd be so hard I find I it's not the same at all but I have been trying yoga lately to try to relax more and I'm like, I'm not going to think about it at work. I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to go in and sit down and they're playing this music. And instantly my brain's like picking it apart and trying to analyze it. I'm like, oh, how would I review this song if I was talking about it on my website? And then I'm just having this internal battle in my brain, yelling at myself in my head while everyone's meditating and just having this totally amazing transcendental experience. It's so hard, hey? Yeah. <laughs> when you start thinking that way, it's a very big challenge for yes. you and me both. But, yes, yeah. we've got this. We will get there. <laughs> <laughs> sure. And I guess yeah. part of what you're doing as well, you have obviously, you know, become a co-founder of Head Atlas. And I really actually like what you guys describe in your mission statement that you're not only sound engineers, you're song engineers. How did this whole endeavor come to be with you and Joel? Yeah, sure. So basically I go back a fair way now, like at least 10 years with Joel, uh, being friends with him. Uh, we used to work together at a music store back in, in the day. And that's how we first became friends. And we'd always been like really tight and had similar music tastes and all that sort of stuff. And when we moved overseas, Joel actually kind of like got out of doing music retail and all that sort of stuff. And went and studied audio engineering and, and he created Head Atlas before I even sort of got back. And he, so he's really the brainchild behind the whole thing. And, you know, we, we worked together on a lot of projects and all that sort of stuff. We started out by just sort of like testing the waters and kind of like working on a couple of his songs. 
we really sort of like had this creative kind of you know coexistence it was it was really natural there was no like weird like awkward silences or <laughs> weird you know things like it just like happened really naturally and and we just achieved these really great results just you know testing the waters on these songs and so i think that was like kind of like the the defining moment when i think joel kind of like realized that maybe we had something here so yeah he he sort of approached me and was like oh you know like I want to. I want to do this. Like, do you want to be a part of it? And you know, at my point in in my life at the time, which is probably you know, it's probably going back to like 2016 or something like that. I hadn't really had like a good go at doing production or audio engineering, like in a commercial sense. Mm. And since we had each other to sort of bounce ideas off, I thought, well, you know, may as well give it a shot. And, uh, yeah, so it's worked out really well. We ended up moving into like our own facility. So we started off like kind of like working in Joel's basement, basically. (laughs) Um, you know, we did a couple of, a couple of projects down there and we we were just like, oh, look, it's just not working. You know, we need to find a space and, and like have like a facility to work out of. Mm. So that has happened and we were based out of a place in Brisbane called Hunting Ground Studios. And we have head atlases within that that premise. So yeah, ever since we've moved in there, it's just gone from strength to strength. And uh, yeah, we've been working on a lot of really quality music, uh, including our own stuff. Like Joel does his band Nightwoods with his wife Ari. Uh, you'll have to check that out at some point. Yes, uh, which he engineers, produces, mixes everything. Oh my and, lord! <laughs> yeah, and. Um, and that stuff's great, but like amongst all the other artists that we work with as well, including mm. Dane from a Soccer Punch's other band, some of us. Um, yeah, we're working on an album for a Brisbane prog band at the moment called Weightless in Orbit. They're fantastic, mind-blowing musicians. So, yeah, and we have uh, a whole host of other solo artists that we work with as well, which, you know, continue to blow us away with their quality songwriting. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just been fantastic. So. I guess on that note, you're working with a heap of different artists, not just in one particular genre as well, and you're doing solo artists, you're doing bands, and coming into it, like each time it's something, it's going to be a completely different experience. You've got the technical side down. Clearly you know all about what you're doing in that scenario, but how do you engage and build rapport with the artists when you you know, jump into a new project? Is it you're finding people that are like-minded as you go along or is it something you've kind of worked on to build those people skills, so to speak? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like it's always kind of a bit shaky to start with, to be honest. Like, um, you know, when you meet someone for the first time and you're sort of like sussing them out and they're sussing you out Mm -hmm. and all that sort of stuff, you know, and it it is definitely one of those things where you, you do need to basically just put all your cards on the table and and hope that you know it works out but generally yeah sometimes it can be a bit sort of shaky to start with but once the the process gets started i think a lot of people kind of realize that we've got their best interests at heart and that they are getting something out of the process that they would never get if they just tried to do it themselves mm. or you know without sounding cocky like even working with someone else, you know, just the level of kind of production that even Joel brings to the table, you know, like he's 
probably one of the best producers I've ever worked with in terms of helping a song be the best that it can. So that's I think where that kind of harks back to the whole song engineer thing instead of being sound engineers. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, he's got a real knack. So for me, I I learn a lot from him, even just working on projects together. I think it's shaky to start with, but once people get into the process and we do like the first pre-production session with them, generally they're even like, you know, beaming with the result, even from the first kind of like interaction. And then it just gets better from there once we start building the song around them and uh, getting to the final mix and master stage. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's definitely, it's like a... <laughs> It's, it's like a blind date almost. I was about to and, say uh, the same thing, damn it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hi, I'm Christy. But, um, How are you? Yeah. What's your day job? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and you're like, oh, if I crack this joke now, are they going to be offended or are they going to laugh? You know? Well, that's sometimes so, the best way to test someone. It's like I'm going to just put something weird out there and if they take it well, I will run with it. And if not, I was just totally joking. <laughs> Totally. Because <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I guess, you know, we, Joel and myself have known each other for a while, so we've even got like our own kind of in-jokes that we kind of try not to drop, but every now and again we will, and they'll just be like, what are you guys talking about? <laughs> You're like, get on board, get with the, get with the program. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, it can be a challenge, but it always usually works out in the end, so. Yeah, and each time I guess you're building your people skills, which is an invaluable side of it because you can be amazing at, you know, everything else. But if you ain't got people skills, you're in a bit of trouble in that scenario. That's exactly right. Mm -hmm. Exactly right. To nearly wrap up the um, bulkier part of this, I guess, as you said, you've worked with a lot of projects, a lot of bands. Um, I know you've done stuff recently with, is it, did, it just, has that sort of swimming like it's got another album coming out or if I, is that already out? Oh, yeah. So, um, that came out kind of early this year. Damn it, so, I just realised on a side note, I really need to listen to that because I totally missed it. Yeah, and that, that was that was a long slog, so... Mm, <laughs> yeah. That's a note to myself. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, check it out. I released it on vinyl and everything, so mm. that, was, that was really cool. Um, mm. One of the first times I've actually had some of my music released on vinyl as well, so I was, like, super pumped on that. Right. But, um, kind of life goal achieved. Yes, so, tick. Yeah, so that, that's out. They, those guys are busy working on stuff as well, and they do um, a lot of film stuff as well. So yes. um, I've heard on the grapevine that they're working on releasing um, kind of like a best of some of the film music that they've been working on because they did uh, Joan of Arc, uh, like silent oh, film wow. um, at Coma and all that sort of stuff. And uh, they put together like that amazing amount of music for it. So mm. it's a shame that it hasn't seen a lot of day, but I know that they are going to put that out soon. Awesome. So, um, yeah, and it's it's great. Like I can vouch for it. I didn't have anything to do with it, but <laughs> it's really good. It's still good. <laughs> well, given yeah. that you do have such an extensive history on every side of the recording studio, um, if you could impart one kind of essential piece of advice for bands who are hitting the studio, either for the first time or kind of looking to up their game a little bit, do you have any particular tips or words of wisdom for anyone out there who's looking for some guidance in that scenario? Yeah, look, um, from from my experience, I think it's um, it's really important to be as prepared as possible. 
I mean, I always like to leave a certain amount of things up to kind of on the day, like a spontaneous kind of feeling or, you know, it's like everyone's vibing on something. Let's, let's try this sort of thing. But for the most part, yeah, we, we sort of like to be as prepared as possible. And with, with Head Atlas, it's not so bad because a lot of the time we're actually doing pre-production with the artists before they come in. So it is pretty, pretty sorted, like arrangement wise, tempos and all that stuff. But Say, for instance, if someone was engaging with us and they were just coming in off the bat and just wanted to record stuff, I'd say, yeah, be pretty 100% sure on your part mm. before you come in, particularly drummers. You know, I hate to say it, but it's kind of like usually the part that falls short a lot of the time. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not because of lack of ability. It's just because of lack of preparation. So. Mm. Yeah, and playing to a click track as well is huge. So mm. uh, not saying that that applies to every project, but the vast majority of them will require that. So, yeah, that's one, one little thing there. And, yeah, I guess if, if you're not super stoked on the song when you're going into the studio, probably don't go into the studio. Let's say take a bit of time, work on the songs a bit more before going in mm. so that you're a hundred percent stoked on it before before it happens so yeah that'd be my little words of advice but, yes yeah wise words from crispy town himself <laughs> yeah <laughs> well i was gonna say yeah. if i ever write some terrible songs you're the man i'm coming to but now i think i'm gonna have to um step up my game a little bit before i step foot into the studio with yeah. you. well no well absolutely i mean the thing is with with us we with Head Atlas in particular, we work really hard on the songs before we do that. So excellent. Yeah, you know, you can come in with just two chords and ah, oh, good, and a hummed and a hummed melody, and we'll we'll make it into something awesome. Excellent, <laughs> sold. I'm in. <laughs> yeah. Now to slowly wrap it up before I let you get on with your day, I've got a little segment called the Soundcheck Sound Off, which is a lightning round where I'm going to ask you a few quick questions and I would like you to answer as quickly as you can without overthinking your answers if you are feeling game. Sure. Yep. Okay, Absolutely. so you've played music since you were 10 years old. What was the first gig that you ever went to? first gig that I ever went to was a – it was in my hometown, which is in Innisfail, part of Queensland. And it was called Feedback was the name of the gig. And I'm pretty sure I was 12 at the time. And basically, it was just a bunch of local bands playing. And funnily enough, some of the members of Hazards of Swimming Naked were playing in their bands at the time. So that was kind of my first. Yeah, that was my first introduction into live music. And it had a profound effect on me. And needless to say, I stayed in contact with some of those guys. And, uh, yeah, it went from there. That's awesome. Nothing I did when I was 12 resonated with my adult (laughs) career or professional life. So that's amazing. I love it. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Now, the next question, I actually asked Brenton this one as well. So I feel I have to extend this one to you. If you could swap instruments with anyone in Osaka Punch for a day, who would it be and why? I would probably swap with I'd probably swap with Brenton to be honest because you know like I'm I'm a guitar player Mm -hmm. but for me like I think that 
bass is like a really, really important part of a band. And, you know, people who do it well are really, really good at it and they just own it. So for me, I think it would be so fun to just be a bass player for like one gig, <laughs> just to just to feel the power of it because mm. it's a really powerful instrument and it just holds everything together. So yeah, I think that would be my answer. Yeah, awesome. Let's make it happen one time. Yeah, <laughs> I won't be able to do it as good, but so. Well, he picked Jack and he said he can't sing or play keys, so I feel like you've got one up on him already <laughs> with your answer. <laughs> No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, next up. If money was no object, what's your dream guitar that you'd love to get your hands on? Ooh, okay. Um, damn, that's a good question. Um, I, I'm probably like a bit of a Paul Reed Smith fanboy. So for me, I'd, I'd love to get a hold of what's called, like they do this, this model called a Modern Eagle. And it's like a really, really nice guitar. It's super fancy and all that stuff. It's very expensive. I'd be happy to own one of those if money was no object. And next question, you have one of the best heads of hair in the business. What's your hair beauty secrets if you're willing to share them with me? Because my hair's getting a bit long now and I need all the help I can get. How do you keep it so luscious? So, well, actually that's in the word that you just said. So um, I actually use lush product. Aha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got a whole list of stuff and shampoo bars and natural conditioners and bits and pieces and i even use their beard wash so there you go excellent um that's the secret to my crazy hair excellent (laughs) we can all emulate crispy now i love it yeah (laughs) (laughs) um okay next up you've mixed and produced for a whole heap of bands but name a band you would absolutely love to produce or mix for one day oh that's a good question too um Oh, God. Well, does it have to be someone that I know or just anyone? It can be anyone you like. Okay. Okay. Um, well, to be honest, like, I actually really, really want to work with Hazards guys again um, mm. because the last project we did, I didn't actually record it. So I just sort of jumped in, played some guitar, and did some post production stuff on it. So I'd love to get those guys back in the studio because it's so close to home mm. and um, yeah work on their next stuff but from the very beginning to completion so yeah nice I know it's not a very glamorous answer but no I love it cool. and it goes yeah. all the way back to your first gig so it's beautiful <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> yeah no I just I really love that style of music and I I feel like I've got a bit of a knack for it as well yeah that's where I want to go with that yeah so, I like it. And I'm yeah. going to now ask you to choose between your children. You have a pretty insane pedal collection. Yep. Out of all of them, what is your absolute favorite to play with and why? Oh, okay, cool. Well, it would have to be it would have to be my delay pedal for sure. So nice. Yeah, I have a I have a really nice delay pedal. And I think if I had to do away with everything and I could only have one, that would be it because it just brings me so much joy and it's such a creative tool as well. Mm. So that's that's what I'd go for. Awesome. Easy answer. I love it. Yeah. (laughs) Yay. Well, last but not least, I'm asking all of my guests to close out the episode to share with me a song or a sound that changed their life. 
something that has heavily inspired you, whether it's been professionally or personally, and something that still kind of holds a special place for you. So what is the song or sound that changed your life, Crispy Town? Sure. So, so the first, like I grew up listening to a lot of my parents' music and all that sort of stuff. And to be honest, when I was at that age, I was kind of like, dad rock, you know. <laughs> but the first thing that really kind of piqued my interest in a certain sound and a type of music, so I saw a film clip for a song when I was like really young in primary school when the song was just coming out and it was Black Hole Sun by Soundgarden. And that was like a really interesting sound for me. And I loved even just the intro like guitar little riff thing was really intriguing and really inspiring. And I just loved Chris Cornell's vocals as well. Mm. It just had like this heaviness to it as well that I was like, how did they do that? Mm. Um, so, yeah, and I think that was a pretty important sort of formative music experience for me. Got me interested in a lot of music, which was involved in that sort of movement as well. So, yeah, I'd say that's it. I love that. You know, I've been trying to think of what my answer would be each time I've asked people that, and I feel like you've just got me a step closer. And it's very fitting because you have been the reason I think I've got into a lot of music that I still love so in the same way that you followed your sister I feel like I've been following you musically for a very long time and yeah I feel like we've hit on something there I think that's also my answer as well Uh, awesome yeah Yeah. that's that's really nice yes well I will let you get on with the rest of your night it is an absolute pleasure to chat to you not just to pick your brain but you're just a hell of an awesome person to spend a bit of time with and I know that you're just going to keep doing amazing things with Head Atlas and with Osaka and yeah there's just a whole lot of good times ahead for you I feel so thank you so much for chatting with me and sharing a bit of insight into your world. Oh thanks Dion I know I really appreciate it and likewise you're doing a great job. Oh you (laughs) (laughs) you're the best. No thanks really appreciate it. And that, my friends, brings us to the end of episode four of Behind the Soundcheck. Thank you so much for tuning in today. It genuinely means the world to me to bring some of these stories to your ears. And also secretly for myself, it's just awesome chatting to awesome people. What's not to love? Anyway, you can catch up on any of the episodes you may have missed over at the Soundcheck website, which is www.thesoundcheck.org. And this little old podcast is now also all over iTunes, Spotify, and iHeartRadio, depending where you'd like to grab your podcasts from. Thank you, as per usual, to Osaka Punch for the extremely handsome theme song. And of course, to the man responsible for the riffs in that very song, my absolutely wonderful guest for today, Mr. Crispy Town himself. I hope to hang out in your ears again sometime soon and I will catch you next week for more Behind the Soundcheck. See you then.